This is the Beer and Pretzel Podcast, and we are talking about Goblin Quest by Grant Howlett. We just played it. Hopefully people had fun listening to us have a grand old time playing this game. And now we're going to be doing our review episode where we talk about what we liked, if there was anything we didn't like about it, and then we will be talking to the writer about this game. And I am back here with Travis, Myel, Becky, and Brad, and we're going to be talking about it. And let's go quickly around the table before we go into the nitty-gritty of Raiden, the five aspects that we talk about, like playability, replayability, game mechanics, the world, and lore of the game, and so on. Let's just talk about briefly our experience playing it. For me, I'm going to quickly start and just say as a GM run it, I had a blast playing this. Almost every time I run this game, it's a super fun time, but it was great playing with you guys, and it looked like you guys had fun too, but yeah. It was a great time watching you guys play. Travis? Yeah, so definitely best way to describe it is fun. You, you get a laugh out of it. Um, one thing I will recommend, don't ever get attached. Don't ever get attached to your uh, your goblins. Um, other than that, just extreme amounts of fun. You get, like I said, a good laugh and a pretty good adventure, honestly. Yeah. For goblins, really good adventure. Well. Uh, it's it's really like the epitome of the one shot. It's kind of all about like just having fun, the, the role-playing. Uh, and just being these kind of cannon fodder, it's, it's a really fun game. Becky? I would agree. It's like the most fun I have yeah. playing like a role is a goblin because goblins are just so silly. And this <laughs> game really makes it easy to just pick up and be a silly goblin. Brad? Rest in peace, Stabby number three. You were my favorite. <laughs> um, did you y- get attached? I did. Uh, I got attached to Stabby number three. I made that mistake the first time I played. I got attached to uh, Frank, who yep. I brought back for this game. Yep, and I, I couldn't bear to see him go. No, it was it was great, and I I feel like I say it every time. Maybe I don't, but this is one of the most fun times I've ever had playing a role playing game. I really love the 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 nature of having all the different goblins and having them be killed off and stuff. It, it was really neat. Yeah, this game is super neat, and I took this game as a risk years ago when I was in college. The writer, and maybe we'll talk to him about this on the show, but unlike almost every other RPG, they put it on Drive-Thru RPG, which is a website that's all about distributing PDFs of games you can check out. He did not. The only way to do it was to buy it through him directly. And I heard about the game, but not a lot of people were talking about it. I was like, how does seems interesting? I have some money to blow. So I just ordered it, and I was like, oh, this is a really cool idea. Playing as five goblins that are constantly dying, I can't wait to run it. And I've had fun running it every time since. And the Beer and Pretzel podcast, we always talk about RPGs that we play during our big sessions of D&D or whatever. It's all about playing games that are done in one-shots, as we did with this. All right, we're going to be reviewing five aspects, starting first with character generalization and layout game layout for the gm which is me and we're we'll reviewing everything out of two stars as long as it worked for you two stars if it you didn't like it you take out half a star or maybe more for me two stars for i've played this game a couple times but i'm mostly talking about game layout but for game layout it's laid out neatly for a game that was i'm pretty sure it was kickstarted like most rpgs there's a ton of drawings and all the drawings are perfect for this game setting which is a very silly game about uh goblins orcs and bugbears and even the more menacing creatures like wizards and bugbears they're still kind of drawn comedically 
and all the drawings of goblins scattered throughout this book are great. And also Grant Howlett, as part of the Kickstarter, because they got more money than they were playing on, they added, and maybe we'll do this at a later day as a bonus episode, but they released some extra sections where you can play Goblin Quest. If you're tired of playing as Goblins and Goblin Quest, this game has layers and you can play as other versions of this game, rules hacks, such as Cobalt Quest, where you play as Cobalts. Or you play, I think there's a version where you play as Sean Bean. Sean Bean, the actor, is known for dying <laughs> in a lot of movies and TV shows. You just play as multiple versions of Sean Bean. There is a rules hack called My Name is Iniga Montoya Jr. from The Princess Bride. And there's also a version that I really want to play that's very good. Well, there's the Cthulhu Files, which is interesting. I haven't tried the other game hacks, and we should try at some point. There's a version where you play in a Star Trek world where you play as the red shirts, pretty much. All the red shirt background characters are always dying in Star Trek movies and TV shows. And game layout, easy to out to. A lot of drawings, things. The game is, it's not a super big book, but they fill up the second half with extra rules, hacks, if you get tired of playing as goblins. So easy to out to for me. Let's go around the table to Travis for talking about building your character or characters, in this case, in Goblin Quest. So, I'm not going to lie, I find it a bit difficult trying to think of five different characters, but the problem is is you get to have a lot of fun with it. You get to create any character you want out of a goblin. As I said earlier, I created Frank Castle, the Punisher goblin. So, you do get to have a lot of fun with it, but I do find it a little bit challenging to uh, create, like, come up in my head with, like, five characters on the spot. But, no, it's, it's still a lot of fun. I'll easily give it a two out of two. What Travis said is kind of perfect. Uh, like, if you're... This isn't a game you can play if you're, like, kind of reluctant. Like, you really have to, like, dive into it. Uh, you have to come up with five people. You have to, like, work together to make the quest. So the setup, while a little clunky and kind of a little long, maybe, uh, is really... It's kind of the core of the game. So I can't really... Because it's such a great game. I can't give it anything less than two out of two. But it is something you really have to... You, you can't do if you don't really want to. Yeah, I can see that. And I kind of like how in this, it's not entirely up to the GM to build the campaign. It's the players design the goblin quest, but also design their five goblins. And they could have fun drawing their characters out, just designing how each one looks in their defined feature. And as a player, I would give it two out of two as well, if I was the player. Becky? I would definitely give it a two out of two, because it's simple enough like you just have to come up with a name and you know the concept of what your goblins are good at and I don't know when I, I play a lot of like serious RPGs like D&D and Pathfinder where I'm always coming up with like six ideas for what character I want to play but you can only play one because it's such a long campaign unless you die real easy so this was kind of fun for me to come up with five ideas of different goblins to play so I definitely give it a two out of two and uh, this is Brad. I would agree. I give it two out of two. I think it can be difficult to come up with five characters. I definitely agree with that. Um, and for me, the hardest part of any role-playing game, whether I'm a player or a GM, is naming things. That's why I went with Stabby number one, two, <laughs> three. And, and honestly, I think as goblins, that works. I think in a lot of other settings you couldn't get away with that, but this, it actually, I thought it was pretty good. So having that, and then the, the character generation is great. You have the things that are handed down um, to your whole family. You've got the family names, so you don't need to think of too many things 
You just really need like a single idea for each character, and then the rest of it kind of works for everybody. All right, now we're going to go on to game, no, uh, world and lore. And with a lot of one-shot RPGs, sometimes they add enough background or sometimes not. In a game we played recently by the same writer, Honey Heist, we talked about how there wasn't really enough added to the world because it was a two-page PDF of the game. For me, as running the game, I had more of enough information because the beginning part of this book is all about the writer put in a nice drawing of the battlefield, which is where all the goblins, orcs, bugbears live. There's a description of each of the major monsters that live in the area and how they live amongst each other. And also, there's a section about facts about goblins and how they kind of operate. And it's all told in a comedic way because they're basically cannon fodder. So for a one-shot RPG, it gives me enough information to work with to make a world of lore. So as a GM, I easily give it a 2 out of 2 because even though, like a lot of one-shot RPGs, it's not a big book, but it gives me enough information about the world that I can work with and try to adapt to my own. Let's go this way to Brad. So yes, I would have to give it 2 out of 2. I think just the map alone and like the first page or two of the book is worth 2 stars. Um, there's just so much content and you play creatures that live a maximum of like a week. They're just, it's a huge world for the time that you have. So you could have dozens and dozens of adventures, which might, uh, also be part of the replayability factor, but there's just such a huge world for such small, insignificant creatures that I've got to give it two out of two. Yeah, I agree. Um, they provide so much information about the the different races that it's and it's it's the way the humor is delivered throughout the book I thought it was really funny and it just helps you get into the mood I think of playing like it's going to be a goofy game and they write it in a way that's very humorous so I would say it's a two out of two yeah well said Mile uh two out of two there's no there is no question you'll have that that book won't answer um and and the lore is also like I said like the fact that you're these weak little goblins is, is like the main part of the game, so that's what makes it uh, really fun. Oh, this is Travis, and again, two out of two, simply because it's it's a world I can easily picture in my mind from the description they give us. I'm picturing a big tower on the hill with a bunch of like cranky old wizards in it. I'm picturing a big battlefield filled with orcs, adventurers, and other stuff. I, like it's easy to see. It's easy to like kind of like figure out what my goblins would do in the situations that they're in. Do, do, do like simply because everything's bigger than them and stronger than them. So, yeah, I know it's easy to out of two. Now we're going to talk about game mechanics. We're talk about how the game works, dice-wise, rules-wise, did it work for us. For me, I'm going to go again. It's two out of two for me. This game is hilarious on multiple levels, and one of the reasons for that is the dice rolls, how you use D6s. It's not too, too simple, like in Honey Heist, where you just roll one dice. You can roll multiple dice, and based on what you roll, you can be impacting future rolls of your friends. You can be kind of screwing them over or helping them, or you can just instantly die based on if you just roll two ones in a row. Or we've had people that rolled multiple sixes in a row, and they were able to get a tough situation. And it's a simple enough rules, but it's not too, too simple. It's simple enough to learn, but it's enough to it not to be too easy. And it's just a fun system, so easy to go to. 
right. Um, yeah, no, easy two out of two. Like you said, the dice are simple. And honestly, there's not a whole lot that you really need to roll for. It's more just kind of being descriptive about what you're doing. So, yeah, no, definitely easy two out of two. That's true. Um, and I like the fact that the role playing like lets you add more, take away less dice. The one thing I wish, I, I don't really know how you'd fix it, but the one thing I don't like is when you have a, a minus one, you're kind of like, a di- you shouldn't roll more dice, sort of, right? Like, you're de-incentivized to, like, do the role-playing part. That makes sense, yeah. But um, besides that, the the mechanics work really well. It's balanced so that the, uh, like, you, you need the same number of, of successes to win as, as failures to die. Um, but other, So I, I would take off half a star, 1.5, okay. but um, I, I still really like it. All right, Becky. I really like the game mechanics, so I gave it a 2 out of 2. Um, I just, I like the D6s. I like it that it's just, you know, half of them good things happen, half of them bad things happen. I think I would really like that when you roll multiple dice, you can have different effects. So even if you get a success, you could maybe take an injury. And I think that really helps add to the role playing. So I like that. Brad. I think if this were any other game with any other theme, I would give it one star or less. But... Uh, The reason for that is that I think just rolling a single d6 or maybe a couple d6 and having a one or two potentially kill you and a five or six uh, succeed and then everything in the middle kind of do something good or bad, I think that's just incredibly swingy. But with the five different characters and the fact that goblins are just such chaotic creatures anyway, I can kind of give it a pass to one and a half. I'd even go the full two stars, but I think only because... The, the the game itself, everything else is so great. Yeah, I agree. Like everything that they do supports the game as a whole. Um, the chaotic nature of the goblins, like you said. Now we're talking about playability. I'm gonna make this short. Two out of two. I've run this game multiple times for multiple people in college and outside, and it's been a blast every time. This might been my favorite time running it, but every time it's been a blast. So talk about playability, which is actually playing the game. I'm gonna make it quick. Two out of two. Uh. Yeah, no, again, easy, two out of two. It's, as I said before, it's just fun. You get to have so much fun playing it and, like, learning about what's happening to these creatures. Because, of course, you know at least a couple of them are going to die. But seeing how they die and the way they die, it's, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Two out of two, uh, definitely. Um, but, again, you need to be, like, it's a, it's like role-playing. It's like having fun. You need people that are, that are into the game. I agree. Um, it's two out of two. It's accessible. It's fun. It's fast-paced. I'm, it's easy to pick up, so I would definitely say it's a two out of two. And I've also got to agree, two out of two. The, uh, the game just moves so fast. It's so easy to role-play. I really enjoyed moving from character to character. One second, I was George, the sophisticated goblin who was making the fancy entrees, and the next, I was Stabby number three, who had an endless appetite and was eating said entrees. Yeah, some great times playing this. In our last section, we're doing replayability, which is about we're playing games that are one-shot. They're designed to be played during the middle of when you're playing these longer campaigns like D&D, but can you see playing them in the future? Maybe not necessarily every week, but can you see playing them in the future? Would you want to? This game is not like other games we played, such as Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse, where you can kind of sort of make a campaign out of it if you want. It's very it's it's directly a one shot. You play a one shot and then after that, if you play again, you just start over. Originally when I was thinking about this game, I was like, 
maybe this will be the, the one point in my ratings where I'll take off a half a star, making this a 9.5 out of 10. I'm going to make this the first game I give a 10 out of 10 to, because just looking through this book and thinking about it, I've run this game, I think, six or seven times. Every time I've had a blast, even though every time we've only done the goblin quest part of it, and each time I haven't tried the five different rules hacks that are in the back of the book, and I don't know if they're going to be better or worse. They they may not be as interesting as the main goblin quest, but if I get bored of doing the goblin quest, but I want to do this rules, this rules, which is kind of a hilarious game. I can do the other rules hack if I don't want to go. All right, I want don't want to do the goblins again. Every time I've run this game, we've had a great time, and I've only done the goblin quest. But if I ever get bored of it, I want to play the rules. I'll just try one of the rules hacks, which I think will be fun to try in the future. So I think I'm actually gonna make this a ten out of ten. I'm gonna give Goblin Quest a ten out of ten by given replayability at two out of two. Let's go this way to Brad. I'm also going to make it a perfect 10. Um, I unfortunately don't remember what I rated Honey Heist for replayability, but if I rated that a 2, I think I'm going to have to bump that down a half a star. No, you took off a point, because I think you, in the end, gave Honey Heist a total of 8 out of 10. Okay. But this one, the world is just so huge. The fact that you have the five different characters, that they have the potential different roles, that it has all the extra settings that you combine the three different aspects of a story of wanting to get grandma a present, uh, finding the, the cup that fell from the tower, and, oh man, what was the third thing? The, oh, the wand. Magic the wand. The, uh, having to use a magical wand. You can create almost an unlimited number of stories from all that stuff. So, two out of two. I agree. I, I would say it's a two out of two. Um, if anybody was ever like, let's play Goblin Quest, Goblin Quest I would absolutely say yes. Um, it's just, it's so fun, and yeah, there's a lot of options. I mean, we played a two-headed goblin, so you can really, it's, the mechanics are flexible enough to allow for that kind of difference. Two out of two, uh, like what uh, Brad said, there's a lot of different options for the quests. The only thing you might have difficulty with is, is uh, coming up with five kind of original fun characters each game. Uh, but that's kind of the fun of it. Uh, that's the point of the game, I guess. So I, it's still definitely a 2 out of 2. Uh, yeah, again, easy 2 out of 2. And I will agree with you, that would probably be the hardest part for me, was rebuilding characters or trying to make new ones altogether. So, yeah, no, definitely 2 out of 2. I'd love to play this again anytime. Yeah, no, this is a great one-shot and the perfect beer and pretzel game for the beer and pretzel podcast. And this is, so far, our highest-rated game with... Uh, four tens out of tens and a nine point five out of ten give it the highest rating that we've given to a game, and maybe we should bring it up to Grant Howlett, and we'll see in the future. But yeah, great ratings because this is a game you can pick up easily enough and very fun to play each time, and it's a one shot that you won't really get bored of out of just one time. Okay, we've had fun review it, we've had fun playing it. Now let's talk to the game writer. Now we go on to the interview. With writer Grant Howlett. This is Austin, the Beer and Pretzel podcast, a podcast that examines one shot RPGs and other games in the Beer and Pretzel subgenre of RPGs. We're back with Grant Howlett of the game Goblin Quest. How are you doing, I'm Grant? I'm doing great. I am, I am looking forward to the evening ahead of me. So it's a wonderful sunny day here in London. I'm going to sit out back and maybe drink a refreshing beer once this is done. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And you guys, you're, what is it, like 5 o'clock for you now? 
Uh, yeah, just come up to five. So my, my work day's done. I've, got, I've, had, I've had a hard day slaving over a keyboard writing about elves. So I'm ready to, ready to pack it in. Oh, nice. And perfect segue for my next question, actually. So you write professionally, which is an awesome job, by the way. And my question is, before we talk about Goblin Quest, is a broad question about RPGs and writing them, because you have a great job, like I said. What is some tips, or your major tip, or a piece of advice, or whatever, that you'd give to people who would like to be writers of RPG uh, profession? Uh, my first piece of advice would be to uh, to be born white and middle class um, and start off with basically running life on easy mode. I have I'm also a male, a cis male, broadly hetero, at least, you know, uh, not queer enough to, to, to not pass. Basically, do the easiest possible thing you can. Uh, so sorry, start, start life on super absurdly easy mode. And then it will be and then like and then you'll have the competence to swan up. To, an, to, to, to a potential audience and say, hey, my opinions matter, buy my games. And they will, which is nuts. Um, from If you've not been lucky enough to do that, um, then I can recommend that the the best way, like the the, the best thing, I, the, the best, best thing I would I'd recommend to do is one, release games as often as you can, put out small works, put out, um, put out games frequently, uh, get, get yourself an itch.io, uh, so an itch.io, um, page and and host your PDFs there. Sell them for money. Your games your games deserve to be purchased for money because you've done work on them. Don't give your stuff away for free if you don't want to, uh, especially if you can't afford to. Your work has value. And secondly, uh, if you can afford it, go to cons, uh, meet people, shake hands, try and make as many friends as as possible. Play their games, get them to play your games, and. If you can exist as a human being in people's minds, generally they will buy your games. Okay, and before we go on to Travis and talk more about Goblin Quest, last time we talked to you, we were talking about Honey Heist, which is a great one-page RPG, and you were talking about how you put out one one-page RPG each month, and you have them all on your site. What is your personal favorite one-page RPG, or just one-shot RPG that you have made? Which one's your favorite? I really like Adventure Skeletons. And Adventure Skeletons is again we wrote it for a Kickstarter which didn't quite come off, so we got to get we, we got to take it back and then release it ourselves, which was nice of the guy who ran the Kickstarter. But you play a skeleton who's bored and wants to go on an adventure rather than guarding a tomb for some boring old wizard. And it is I believe Jason Morningstar wrote a game called Skeletons or something like that, which is much more about what have you lost since you died? How have you passed the 10,000 years? And it's quite introspective and it's quite sad words on index cards. And that's great. And that's not the sort of thing we do at all. So this is a game where you go and try and acquire bones. It's very silly. And my favorite part of the game is you roll a d6 to determine your ancestry. And you can be human, orc, elf, halfling, dwarf, or skeleton. And I really like the idea that you can be a fourth generation skeleton. And we never explain what that is. So my first question is going to be... So, from what I heard, you asked a lot of other people for ideas on making the Goblin Quest themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, like, how you came up with that idea and or why you didn't do it yourself. Um, well, I this 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 is this is back on my first Kickstarter. Uh, so this so, so uh, Goblin Quest was kind of the first the first attempt for me to like dip my toe into the role playing world as a as a as a proper designer. I'd put out a couple of things before and I was selling them for a handful of dollars, but there was no sort of 
there was no physical production. So we put it on Kickstarter and I was advised by um, a chap called James Wallace, who writes, uh, he's written Baron Munchausen, which is another beer and pretzels game, although perhaps a little bit longer than usual. Uh, I was advised to get guest writers in and for these guest writers, you, you approach them and say, "Hey, I'm this I'm this young scrappy designer. I know you. You know me. Do you want to do you want to maybe do a little bit of work for my book? I'll send you a free copy of the game, and it'll really help me make some money off this. It'll, it'll really help this get off the ground." And the understanding is that they do a very limited amount of work. They get a free copy of the book, and it's a nice thing for them to do. So, like uh, Naomi Alderman, who, uh, who who wrote some, it's like a proper author. Like like she has books in shops. She wrote The Power. Which is being adapted into a, a BBC uh, TV series. Like she's too famous to talk to me now, but I managed to get her uh, at a stage where we were just sort of mates. I'd done some writing for her on um, Zombies Run, I think, at that point. And so, getting people to do some work for you means that you can stick your name on, stick their name on the Kickstarter, have them a stretch goals, and be like, "Hey, we've got all these, we've got all these cool writers who who we think you'll love, and they're adding their stuff to the game. It doesn't cost you as a designer much, and it's really great as a as a sort of to try and get a leg up into the uh, into the games industry. We did the same with Unbound, the game that came out after, and since then we've been much uh, tighter about trying to keep about trying to keep a handle on our canon and about which writers we use and about about why we hire those writers. Uh, my question for you is: How did you come up with the the inspiration for writing uh, a book about goblins? Not just the, I mean, like the whole setting, the mm. mechanics, everything. I guess. Okay. <laughs> so I used to be part of a playtesting um, uh, playtesting uh, evening in London. This would be back oh, 2011, 2012, I think. Yeah, 2012. And so we would meet once every two weeks and we would go and sit upstairs in a pub and play each other's games. And so I I bought like some, I, I hadn't bought anything huge and serious, but I bought a couple of role-playing games. I played some other people's board games and I had, I finished work about three o'clock and I had to leave at five. And I was like, I feel like, I feel like writing a stupid game. I, I want to play a game I've written now. So I got a bit of paper and I wrote goblins on it and I drew the map. And the map, basically, what I wanted to do was take the experience of a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, where like you've got like your 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 battling demons and you're fighting giants and you're like you're, there's there's evil necromancers and all this exploration. I wanted to take that and condense it down to a single evening and also make it about goblins. So rather than fighting giants, you're fighting orcs, and rather than making deals with devils, you're making deals with bugbears. And so everything was sort of sawn off into kind of a shit version of what it would be in reality. Um, I wrote I wrote a quick D6 table on the back and drew and 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 and, like, and drew out things that things that a goblin could have and want to be known by. And we started playing it. Um, I got some photocopies at great cost to the nation. And we started playing it and it was tremendously good fun. And honestly the game has not changed a lot since I wrote it basically on a bus. It has uh, we we tweaked it so there's uh, so there's there's something good and something bad results which I'm sure came up during your game. Uh, back in the day, they didn't have any mechanical impact. They were just uh, they were just fiction, and so we changed those to be um, to actually make things easier or harder. But aside from that, mechanically, the game is broadly the same as it was when it was first written. And it, my favorite, I think the my favorite thing about it is that goblins occupy this weird space in fiction because they can get away with things that no other fantasy race can, that no other, no other characters in fantasy can. Like, goblins 
they can they can build things which shouldn't work and they do work but only if it's funny and they can die and that's also very funny and they can take tremendous punishment and not die or trip over and die and they operate on cartoon rules <laughs> like there's 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 a measure of Bugs Bunny to them. There's a measure of um, Deadpool, I think, in that way that they 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 can break the rules, and so they're these sort of just as these fools, um, which which the players inhabit to go and just, and cause mischief and mayhem. I was always really impressed by the film uh, the film uh, Gremlins. I thought that was great because these these little buggers are so inventive and so horrible, and mainly they're just out to have a good time. And that is generally what happens in Goblin Quest. People people generally try to put on a party. That's a really common quest because it's so much fun trying to do. Uh, yeah, the the kind of that nature of, of the goblins, the cartoony nature you mentioned, is definitely definitely captured when we play play this game. Mm. Uh, I I have a question. This <laughs> book is uh, really fleshed out. Um, mm. Like we were saying while we were playing, any question we had, we could we could definitely find the answer to, whether it be about the the or or the mechanics. Is this one of the, the like you said, you pump out um, a game every month? Is this one of those games you, you did in, a, in only a month? Oh, not at all, no. Um, so, as I said, I had the initial design period for it, but this this was back before I was writing games. I, I've, only, I've only really been doing games since uh, a month, since 2016. I've... Uh, this was back before I was really a proper game designer. Before I, I was working uh, full time as a games journalist. At the point, I think I was I might have been freelance at this point, but I was I was scrubbing around trying to get work writing about Dead Space Three and all sorts of shit. So I this was this was just a side project, something I did for fun. We put it out on Kickstarter, um, and from there the Kickstarter the Kickstarter went went fairly well. I moved country twice afterwards, which was not great for fulfillment purposes. That was quite difficult. Uh, especially seeing as like one of the countries I moved to was America, and I wasn't legally allowed to work in America, so there was some like just just like about contacting suppliers and stuff that was quite tricky. But no, there's there's quite quite a large amount of development in this. There was like a couple of months of writing those hacks as well, so like the hacks in the, in the second half of the book, doing those like they they all they all underwent playtesting. I did some of it. I farmed out some of it to other people. Uh, but this was probably like about a six month process, I think, in general. But I had other things on the go, and I obviously I had to, you know, ricochet around the world. Okay, so we have played and we love playing this game all the time. But one of my favorite aspects of this is the five goblin character generalization. I like how every time they die, they come back one after another, and every time we've done it, one of my favorite parts is like every time you play an RPG. Making characters one of the least favorite parts of it, you know, because it's super boring, it takes forever. But every time we do this, it's super fun, because every time we have people, like, draw the characters, come up with silly, stupid goblins, you make five of them, which is great. And I love seeing of our players, their five goblins, what is their ancestral heirloom. I just love making characters when the process or was it the same night on the bus when you decided i want to play not just one goblin but five dumb goblins yeah it was the same it was the, it was the same night on the bus it was three originally and i think too many people died so we, we bumped it up i think it was three goblins three goblins with three wounds each and after playing we determined that dying was the funniest part so we changed it to be um five goblins with two wounds each so you get to have that because like it doesn't actually interrupt when you die. It doesn't interrupt the flow of the game at all. You're still like your your, your next goblin just arrives and you explain how they know what's going on. You just sort of hand wave it. Uh, but I think that like having having multiple goblins was 
it lets you go hog wild with the violence. It lets you go like, and it's this slapstick over the top. It's itchy and scratchy thing. And like, um, itchy or scratchy, whichever one the cat is dies in every single episode, gets cut up, dies, goes to heaven, whatever. And like, and if you look back at the, like the, the old, um, Daffy Duck and the old, the, the old Bugs Bunny, they died a lot. Like they got shot to death and blown up, and there was like, they were playing harps and going up as angels, and that lets you play that hard. It, le- it lets you have these like these these big bold moves. You're not worried about oh, actually, will my character be hurt? Oh, actually, will my character survive? No, they'll die. It's cool. We'll get a different one. He'll, he'll have a new hat, and it's basically the same goblin. Go on, and that's it. Just it lets you again. It, it separates you out from the idea of oh, I've got to protect my character. I've got to make sure they make the right choices. I've got to play safe. No, 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 no. Don't play safe. Play stupid. All right. Uh, my next question is, uh, why was it the uh, limited amount of uh, other races in the game? And like, what what was your choices for the other races? Like, I believe it's wizards, bugbears, orcs, and uh, hobgoblins. That's correct. Yeah. And a follow up to Travis's question: Did you ever consider, or actually, maybe you considered it for the rules hack? If we haven't played yet the kobold one, did you ever mm. consider putting another race in the world that was kind of a place that can be killed off easily like kobolds or was it always just going to be goblins were the lowest tier um so i think one of the one of the random results tables you can get is 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 like is like one of the goblins is actually a kobold who's who snuck along for the ride um why in in, in picking those races i think i wanted to have um it was more location based than than race based in that than, 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 than ancestry. So I wanted a pub because people always like to go to pubs in role playing games and that's fun. And I wanted somewhere where you could get weapons because weapons are always interesting. Then I wanted somewhere you could get magic from because magic is really fun from a, from a gameplay perspective. And I wanted something where you could get ev- everything else, basically. So that's so that's so the the other ones are self explanatory and everything else is the hobgoblins. They have. Big filing cabinets full of everything. But they're all foils for the goblins. So the bugbears are cunning and smart and underhanded. And the goblins are stupid and and uh, and feckless and die a lot. The orcs are big and strong and the goblins are small and weak. Uh, the hobgoblins are very um, uh, officious and rulesy and managerial. And the goblins are, are anarchic agents of chaos. And the wizards finally are... Uh, mysterious and unknowable and magic and the goblins are very mundane and so they're they're written to to act as foil to to to, to contrast against and, and to give the goblins a world to exist in which they can start fucking up um in terms of like in terms of the the racial selections it was more like what would you have in an army what would you have in kind of a kind of a mid-range fantasy army not the kind with cool dragons and like legions of summon demons but like orcs hobgoblins bugbears and like that, that seems like enough. It's your, it's your standard goblinoid races to get together and hang out and try and do a war at people. And the wizards are there because there's always a, always a wizard in charge eventually. Um, the, the, in, in terms of having goblins as the lowest of the low, I think that it's fun to have them as the lowest of the low. It, it, it means the only way you can go is upwards from that. And I like the fact that like maybe there's like a, like a dog could arrive. And that's a big problem. A dog could arrive and just pick up one of you and, and run off with you. And that's the end. And I think that like having something beneath goblins, it kind of takes some of the fun out of the game because you're always punching up as a goblin. And if you if you have something which you can sort of like push around and and cause problems to, it's like it takes a lot of the the scrappy underdog fun out of the game and, and makes it more about being cruel, which I don't think the game is about. 
Yeah, and something I love about the randomness of the game, but also I love playing as a scrappiest, like, lowest tier of monsters, goblins. You talk about how dogs can be, like, super dangerous to goblins. Funny enough, in our game, something I love about the randomness of this game is the goblins are trying to steal a wand of an adventure party, which usually are the topest, most top tier of things to fight, but somehow they survived against those adventurers. But they went up against a dog, and the dog just wiped them all out. Like, every single goblin, I think it killed like four or five goblins, but against adventurers, they survived. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my question is, if we were playing right now, you were designing a character. What would be your ancestral heirloom? My ancestral heirloom would be a a desk fan. I don't. I just want to say I don't have a desk fan on my desk. I wasn't just looking around my room, but I like the idea of a desk fan that I have to plug in, and I'm calling it a staff of winds, and I can use it to blow away papers or encourage fires or cool down a hot orc. But I do have to plug it in. When, uh, when we play Goblin Quest, there's a lot of us that have that have come up with a goblin we love so much that he that he that he comes back in every game is one of the five. Okay. That comes back, or one that uh, your favorite goblin you've. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Um. So I made a I made a uh, a, a wizard school of goblins. Uh, as one of my as one of my uh, groups, I was on I was on, on the Six Feet Under podcast. I think we played uh, we played a lovely game of Goblin Quest. And I decided I want all my guys to be wizards. So one of them had like some gasoline and a lighter, and he was a fire mage. And one of them had a bag full of ice cubes, and he, and he was a he was a like uh, an ice mage. And um, my lightning mage ate batteries, and he died almost instantly. Like I don't think I don't think he got to cast a spell. He just ate too many batteries and died. But I really love the idea that he's got this. He's got, he's got this idea. Yeah, if I eat enough batteries, I can do lightning out of my hands. And because it's Goblin Quest, yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay, sure. And you've got that sort of stupid cartoon reality around it, and it lets you just eat as many batteries as you like. So we have played this game like six or seven times, have run it a lot of times throughout college or on this podcast. We've had a blast every single time, because it's like a perfect one-shot RPG. And we haven't really changed it up. We haven't tried the other rules hacks at the back of the book, but I want to try them soon. I've been reading through them, and I was wondering... Which one is your favorite? 100% Sean Bean Quest. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's the thing. I, it might just be better for Brits, I think, because like we, we've all basically grown up with Sean Bean. He's been on telly, he's been in films, he's been on adverts and stuff. But Sean Bean has been an important part of our, of our, our upbringing. And he, uh, he, was, he, was, he, was like, he was like a TV hunk and everyone's mum fancied him. So it's, it's, it's really kind of fun to sort of play five of him trying not to die in a film but you all have to die um i think that that, that, that that's the most fun and that's, that's the easiest pitch i think the one i'm proudest of um is the game it's called uh, my name is anigo montoya jr where it's, it's swashbuckling it's princess bride that sort of thing and i've managed to sort of put together what i believe is quite a good way of having surprises in a gmless game and having um like keeping scenes fresh and moving things along so i'm like like systemically Look at, like considering I wrote it, God, what six years ago now, more seven years ago. I'm quite, I'm quite proud of that. I'm quite happy with that. One more. Um, speaking of it being a GM-less game, was that something you intended from the start, or did that come through during the development? It came through during development. I, I was writing it, and I realized there was no need to have a GM. 
um, because the game is like all the rules are player facing. You don't like the, the only way you affect the world is to tick down a number slowly. Um, it's inspired by uh, Wushu. I don't know whether you guys know that, but it's uh, it's an absolutely wonderful game. Uh, it's brilliant, like apps, like brilliant one shot fodder uh, by Dan Bain. But it's coming off about twenty years old now, but it's uh, it's very very clever. It, like it breaks down action scenes into this really clear. It's it's very clever mechanically. Um, and Goblin Quest is inspired by that. Just like the world is a number, and you tick down the number, and then when the number's gone, you've done the thing. Because that isn't like that. The the interesting bit is not how you solve the. The interesting bit is not finding the right solution to the problem. It's coming up with enough stupid solutions until the problem is solved. And I was writing it. It had a GM. I've realized you didn't need a GM. So I've written it like I like running it myself. I quite like I quite like being in the position of a GM because it it means you can sort of steer it and you can encourage people and you can weave stories together and reintroduce stuff. But it's not required. And I think that about about two months, three months of development, I was realized, oh, actually, we don't need to have anyone tell people what to do, which I think is quite neat, actually. And like it's it's really opened up the appeal of the game because I mean a lot of people who are quite nervous about GMing can facilitate instead and run it and still take part in the game and have that anarchic fun and the game ticks along quite neatly. Okay, cool. And Grant, where could people find you and where could people find your future projects? And like what are you working on currently? So, uh, the next thing we're working on is a Kickstarter for a game called Heart. It's very much not a beer and pretzels RPG. It's a, it's a serious uh, dungeon crawl, body horror, exploring a nightmare undercity game. It's set in the same world as our, as our previous big game, Spire. And it's, it's really exciting. We're pretty proud of it. It's really good. Uh, we're kickstarting that. So, if you, if you search for me on Kickstarter, or if you search Heart RPG on Kickstarter, you should be able to find us if you don't have a page set up for it yet. It's recording in advance. Um, if you're interested in looking at my games, you can go to rowanrookanddeckard.com, which is our proper website, which has all, all of the games we release listed on it. And if you're interested in more up-to-date stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at GSHowitt, G-S-H-O-W-I-T-T, where I just continually yell about whatever I'm working on at that present moment. Okay, awesome. And thank you very much for coming on the show, Grant, and we've had a fun time talking you played your games. No problem. Thank you for having me. And thank you very much for coming on once again. If for our audience, please check out Grant's Twitter to see what he's announcing when he's working on things there. Also, check out his website, please. And also, donate to his Patreon or just check him out in general see what games he has to offer because he has so many great games. Thank you so much for coming on our show. It was great talking to you and playing Goblin Quest. You can follow this show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And these episodes are on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. We can listen to all Beer and Pretzel podcast episodes. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.